This episode of the Mike on Much podcast is in partnership with Jameson. Good things come in threes. Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. I'm here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We are also here with our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. And on the dials, as per usual, is intern Erica. Let's jump right into this. Max, he just said, guys, we're getting out of here by one. So we're, It's 12.06. We're keeping it quick and snappy. Deadlines do wonders for uh, you know your creativity. So right off the top. I think we need to address the elephant in the room. There was a controversy on Twitter yeah, yeah. Uh, recently uh, that was responded to by the Mike on Much podcast. I think this is what the people <laughs> want to hear. They want you to address these accusations, mm. Max. So for yes. some context, if you aren't following us on Twitter, if you aren't, please follow us <laughs> at Mike on Much. Uh, Max and the boys in Arkells played a show in Peterborough. Yeah. Was that Saturday night, Friday night? Uh, Friday night. And someone who attended the show got on Twitter and they said, mm-hmm. at Arkells Music, I paid for my ticket and promoted you to my friends. I bought a t-shirt too. You lip-synced the show in Peterborough last night. You should be ashamed to call yourselves a band. I left after five songs and went across the road to Styx, where they had actual live music. That part's all in caps, by the way. Uh, (laughs) Is Styx a bar in Peterborough? I guess so. Okay. So I saw this uh, as well uh, in the evening, and I also noticed that uh, Shane jumped on the old... uh, We'll give him credit because he jumped on the old Twitter. That was me. And he said... He put, so Shane seeing this accusation did the emoji that's kind of scratching your chin like hmm and he said rest assured we will absolutely be grilling Max and then in quotations lead singer of at Arkell's Music about this on the next pod uh, some things that made me laugh about this uh, a, a guy named uh, Derek Kyle uh, responded to uh, Shane's tweet saying I can't believe he would think this you guys rock and then Shane goes want to know another group that people used to think rocked <laughs> Millie Vanilli, <laughs> who uh, infamously got busted lip syncing, I think, at the Grammys or the American Music Awards. So, Max, this is your platform. Are you going to come? But, but come then, the, if we're going to keep the tweets going, the tweets kept going after mm. that because then some guy goes, "Whose side are you even on?" Like we would be biased towards you for some reason. You guys are objective journalists, right? I said the side of truth. Yes, <laughs> which was a great line. I can't believe I forgot to say that. That was that made me laugh. So that being said, let's uh, conduct this interview. I, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. um, investigate. Report. Yeah. Do you or have you ever lip synced in your life, whether it be for a live performance, a TV thing? Maybe you didn't want to. Let's start there. Uh, good question. Drag uh, show. I know. I've never done it. Never lip synced. I mean, for music videos. Has, whoa, music whoa, vi- whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well, that's how music videos kind of work. Everybody's playing pretend in music videos. You phony. <laughs> okay. You're here first, folks. Arkell's music lip syncs in their music videos. <laughs> okay. Has there ever been a show where you've done backing music instrumentation? Like uh, horns where you couldn't have horns like or anything? Oh, sure. Um, well, there are some Arkell songs where Anthony triggers certain parts. So, for instance, in our song Come to Light, there's that rhythmic track that sounds like uh, Boys of Summer. Yeah. Like, that's not Tim playing that on the drums. That is oh. that is a track. Slippery, <laughs> slippery slope, Max. <laughs> yeah, there's other things uh, Tony will sometimes trigger on his SPD, or Tim will trigger, like, sound effects and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But never my vocals. So it's kind <laughs> of like DJing a little bit. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of a uh, in the Venn diagram, so to speak, between Arkells and DJ. There's a bit of a. Do you ever use a special microphone that has some sort of different attachment on it to make your voice sound different, better, or worse? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, our front of house sound engineer 
uh, Dave Gardner might occasionally put like an effect on a vocal. So for instance, like um, at the end of the song, Relentless, it goes, I'm running home to you. And then there's an effect, running home to you, like of the vocal performance that just happened. It's like an echo. It's an echo. So yeah. the answer would be yes. <laughs> <laughs> we are struggling for time here. We've got to be out of here right at one. But yes, you do use things like that to change your voice. Rare, but it does happen. <laughs> Have you been going to like law school or something like that? No, I'm just wondering here because we're, tr- we're trying to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Okay, so why would anyone think uh, that you were lip syncing that show? It's a, it's a great question. We were all kind of bewildered by it because um, I'm most of the time quite embarrassed and borderline ashamed of my vocal performances live. And because I, sometimes I'll look at uh, game tape, and I'll watch video from the show and I'll go, Oh God, Max, like what you thought was perfectly in tune, you know, falls off sometimes. You're a little pitchy sometimes. A little pitchy sometimes. I'm out of breath a lot because I'm kind of running around the stage. I feel like this like tour, you've, you're most physical you've ever been. Yeah, I've been, I've been really just like a monkey. You literally there. do push-ups yeah, so mid-show. That started like uh, in, I think Peter Brown was a very goofy bit. I don't want to start another controversy, but it kind of looked like a body double doing those push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, yeah. but the, the man did concede. He said, okay, certain songs he was singing. He, I think he said something like, okay, songs one to three were real, but then three and four. I'm paraphrasing yeah. here, so I'm yeah. probably getting it wrong. But see, some songs he said you were definitely lip singing. Is it because some songs you have more mastery of and you can make them sound better than maybe some no, of the other No, I songs? mean, um, okay, well, I'll go through. Hand Me Downs is right off, right off the top of the show. And like... Um, sometimes I cue the audience to do the oh sometimes I sing it myself is that a bit of a cheap move (laughs) no I think it's a very uh, inclusive move I think it brings people together next song is knocking at the door which I think I shriek like some sometimes a little too much actually Ash manager Ash was like you seem to go pretty hard on uh Knocking at the door there. You could maybe dial it back 20%. <laughs> yeah. Your voice actually sounds a little rough today. You know what? This happens often. And whenever we finish um, a round of dates, my body's like, all right, see you later. This happens most of the time when we're, when we're done a little tour. I'll, Did you uh, find the show after this one you overcompensated a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I actually had to sing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. They're on to me. Yeah. Guys, I'm singing tonight. I'm singing tonight. <laughs> yeah. Put, uh, turn the mic back on, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, uh, then Michigan Left is the third song. And there's a lot of... Um, like I do the rules of the show during that show, and so it's like, so it's like, and sometimes that that talking section where I'm talking to the crowd can go anywhere between forty five seconds to three minutes. So I'd, I w- I would have to be not on a track for that to work, right? Because the way lip sync works, it has to line up perfectly. Well, sometimes Britney Spears, for example, she would be lip syncing and she would <laughs> choreograph in some quote unquote improv. Yeah, yeah, she'd be like, "Hey, you guys enjoying the show?" And to make it seem like she's uh-huh, singing, yeah. but that is all pre planned. So you like. You no, can't no, get no, out no. of it. Just no, my point is, though, with Michigan Left, it, it really varies. If you were to look at uh, the tape mm-hmm. from night to night, it's different. I believe you. But if someone I were get, to plan it, it, they yeah. theoretically yeah, could. Yeah, right? yeah. There are ways to uh, to trick people, okay. for sure. Well, my last question is, mm-hmm. I've noticed you've really been on a, a tip of admiring or admonishing people who are doing publicity stunts. <laughs> and sometimes you will have a plant in the crowd and you'll be like, hey, little girl, you want to come on stage? And then she'll just happen to know a guitar solo to one of your songs. That is not that true. That was my brother Greg and he's not <laughs> a little girl. Uh, no, the, the, uh, by the way, um, those are not plants. Like if someone comes on stage to play guitar, it's like three basic guitar chords and sometimes they're great and sometimes they're terrible and it truly is an improvised moment. He said that yeah. he does pick them out and it, that part of the fun is trying to decide if this person actually knows what they're doing yeah. and you could get a... Well, that's a conversation for another pod. <laughs> But 
Is this a publicity stunt in any way? Was were you like this is going to kill on social media? I'm going to get a lot of positive feedback. Oh, so are you suggesting that I got somebody to tweet at us? You're lip syncing, so I could go. I'm not lip syncing, and people could. Have well, this you have to love the reaction from the fans and the publicity <laughs> this is giving you. There's no denying that, is there? <laughs> so you wouldn't deny? That. Uh, uh, no, I know. Honestly, the the whole band uh, was 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 flattered by the accusation because it, it 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 is to suggest that we are playing our parts perfectly, which we definitely are not. And this was in no way a promotion for the band or the podcast because no. we did get 307 likes on this holy tweet. shit no no it was none of that no but but you are delighted when something like this happens because it's never happened in our career that somebody has suggested and with such certainty and this, the whole copy was just so fabulous you know it's just like songs one and two were real three was was fake and then i went to sticks across the street like every detail yeah. was was very well good. and would you say it's smarter idea to buy a t-shirt after a show yeah because mm -hmm. you you want to know that you know you actually are supporting the band. Exactly. Because yeah. what if you buy the shirt, you're all excited, then you find out they're lip syncing. Yeah. It's like, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I know, it does suck. I'm not saying you were, though. But I do believe you. I just wanted to do proper due diligence yeah. and be totally unbiased. We declare Max innocent. He's yeah. acquitted. I'm acquitted. If well, the mic was on, you can't be wrong. Yeah. There you go. Good job. Little Johnny Cochran. Johnny Cochran. And yeah. you, would never, you would never lip sync a show. No. I mean, no, sure, maybe I would if, if the situation called for it. I'm not opposed to... I'm not dogmatic about that stuff. Like, but, let's say you were yeah. doing like a. Uh, you used to see this with uh, like shows in Europe or like Japan. Like Nirvana would be playing like a TV show in some foreign market, and they always. Well, sometimes yeah, you're forced to against yeah. your will. Yeah. Would you do that like on a weird Japanese uh, sure. TV show? Sure. I mean, if we got to the Super Bowl or something, and they're like, well, "You can play the Super Bowl, but everything has to be perfect, and you can't go off script, and this is the thing." I'm like, okay, sure, I don't care. I'm not like overly like uh, pious when it comes to my artistry when it comes to certain things. Sure, there you have it. Yeah, there you have it. But I, I just want to say a shout out, uh, first of all, to pod fans over there. I think I mentioned on the last yeah. episode that every Arkell show I meet, people go, love the pod, love the pod. Just like whether it's at the meet and greet or like at the show, I'll yell, people will be yelling at me like while I'm on stage, love the pod, oh, man. <laughs> which is awesome. So nice. Um, and so you like that better than people yelling Hamilton and things like that and Canadian flags and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, much better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, the shows were so fucking great. Um, it was really fun. Um, you know, at this point, sort of in the cycle, like we know how to play all the songs <laughs> and we feel very comfortable um, with all the different like routines and bits. And the more we do it, the more um, I think the band gets into it uh, just because it's like the proof is in the pudding. Like people seem to like enjoy the show. So like, let's keep building on it. So like I had this bit, I don't know if you caught it on our Instagram story. It kind of came up as a joke in soundcheck, but basically I pretended to go fishing. Uh, I was at the front of the catwalk and I fished all the way back to the stage and then Nick was waiting for it and it got caught in his mouth and then I had to drag him to the front. <laughs> so he's just at the back of the, in, in the crowd. No, no, no. He, he was at the he, back of oh, the stage. Oh, the stage. He, yeah, at the see. stage. And I'm at the right. front of the catwalk. So it's like a good 20 feet. So there's been a, yeah, I showed that clip to Lauren the other day. She's like, you guys are so extra. Like settle down a little bit. <laughs> I was like, people like it. I got to see that one. Yeah. I haven't seen What's that the one. crowd react? Cheering or laughter? Yeah, it's just a good time. It's just a nice. very good time. People are having a party. Yeah, it is And a do party. you test these bits in smaller clubs to see if they work? <laughs> and then you're like, okay, we're like, you know, comedians will do that. Yeah, yeah. Yo, no. For sure. I mean, like a lot of times when we're like, I think we're always testing stuff. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Like sometimes if we're like when we were opening uh, in the States, they'd be like, oh, let, let's like workshop a few different ideas. Um, but yeah, but then so there's some shows where the stage like these shows, 
the stage is big, so you can actually do more that you wouldn't be able to predict in a smaller club. So, like, for instance, doing, like, push-ups on the speaker. I was like, oh, that's kind of, like, funny. And I was like, I'll do that. It's so, a good bit. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty good bit. People seem to like Do it on the catwalk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, shouts to all our Cal's fans. Are you done touring for a bit? Uh, we're, we're always doing stuff. But, uh, yeah, but I'll be home for the next little bit. Nice. Yeah, yeah. so you'll see so Keep your of eyes open. And ears. <laughs> for Max's voice, yes. <laughs> which is real. Uh, yeah, lots has been going on. You went uh, to the Raptors game last night, huh? I did. I went to the Raptors game with our good friend Julian Foreman. Did you go out afterward? Uh, we went for a couple beers with Dan Hamilton mm. at the Loose Moose. Mm. Uh, so Jules was yeah, before he got back on the bus to Hamilton. He's like, "Let's go meet Dan for a drink at the Loose Moose." Were you in town? No, no, I was in Hamilton. What, what was the um, the controversy with Norman Powell and Rondé Hollis Jefferson? Oh, is that that's a real interesting. thing? He threw his hat off. I think so. Yeah. So what happened was uh, Rondé had a good game. Uh, he's been having a few good games, but he's new to the team. This is his first year on the team, uh, and he was doing the pro- like the post game sort of like locker room scrum where the press is around him, cameras are rolling. Norm comes out of the shower while like you know Rondé who had a great game is sort of getting his moment with the press. And this is, you see this happen usually with like younger players. You know what I mean? So it's like when I remember like two years ago when Freddie had like a, a game high 25 or something like that at the time like JV comes over with like the sort of Wilt Chamberlain like you wrote the number of points on the thing you mess with the younger guys so Norm came out of the, the, the shower and while Rondé was talking to the press on camera he like took his, his toque off to kind of mess with him mm. but Hollis Jefferson was like nah like don't do that who's like, older well, this is the thing. I think Rondé, I think they might be close to the same age, but I think Rondé just is like, don't treat me like a rookie. Like, I've been around, like, I, I, it felt real, the, the, the interaction. Like, basically, like, I think I think it'll be fine, but I think it's just, like, letting it be known, like, I'm not your kid. Chris Paul does this, too, because Chris Paul's a shorter guy. Whenever a player would ever touch him on the oh, top yeah. of the head, Chris Paul hates that. He's like, don't, I'm not your son. Like, don't do that shit to me, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's just funny how guys have weird little quirks. So anyway, I, I, that's kind of what people were talking about today is that that happened last night. But I mean, wh- where do you guys uh, sort of stand on that? Like, uh, sort of like, I guess the perceived idea that somebody is, I don't know. Yeah, it's also, it's not like Norm is like an all-star. Like, Norm's like a seventh man off the bench. And I love Norm. But yeah. Like for, yeah, but for him to like act like the big brother, I imagine, is, is weird. And also all these guys were like the best players in their elementary school, high school, college team, you know, so it's like they all have probably a sense of pride. But it's supposed to be done with love, these things. Yeah. They're, it's just a prank gone wrong because he didn't really do it properly. It mm. wasn't It wasn't good-natured. It was borderline like bullying. And mm. I think the second Norm did it, he's like, oh, shit, should not have done this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I totally agree. I think he, Norm thought he was doing something that was going to sort of like build camaraderie. It's kind of fun. You mess with guys. And I think it was just like Ronnie Hollis Jefferson is not that guy. He's like, listen, I've been in the league. I've been around like I'm not. Mm-hmm. I know I'm new to the team, but you know. And I'm he probably a, doesn't have the friendship the way maybe Lowry and Demar had. Exactly, or so Valanciunas and Freddie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, you know the, the funniest NBA quirk to me is you know you talk about like there's all these like uh, clips of like Chris Paul getting really mad at people rubbing his head. My favorite is Al Horford. Uh, for context, he's like a six foot nine, like power forward. He's been in the league for over ten years. He's a very sort of like even keel wise kind of player when he's standing um when someone else is taking a free throw if the ball deflects in a way he shields his head as if (laughs) there's like a rocket coming at him and it was like don't you rebound for a living and there's just like clip after clip of him just like noticing maybe a ball like kind of deflecting in a weird way and him being like terrified of it like really like ah! that's <laughs> he's like shocked and it's just like hold on a second you're like six foot nine and 250 pounds and your job is to rebound a basketball and you're afraid of a ball deflecting <laughs> in a weird way i've actually never seen that you've never seen it no. oh it's great it's really yeah, awesome those clips yeah 
Um, what else been going on? I, I actually saw Erica on Friday night. My mm-hmm. brother uh, brought me to an Alex Cameron show. Oh, you went to that? Great I show. Did. Nice. How would you think of it? I thought he was entertaining. I liked it. Like I liked him. I, I did. I hadn't heard his music before. I, I don't think I'd heard of him before. Mm-hmm. I am out of the loop, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was very sort of like goofy David Bowie. You yeah. know, like sort of like uh, performative, kind of taking the piss out of it. Very mm-hmm. sort of like, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like I, I enjoyed it. a sax player up there. I was like, this is cool. Do you, you know, know anything about Alex Cameron? Yeah, it's like one of my wife's favorite bands. Okay, he's actually in a fascinating case study. I think he's Australian. Yeah. And the Killers love him. That's how he came across my radar because he's open for the Killers a lot. And Brandon Flowers is like sung on his records mm-hmm. and I think helped write some songs. Uh, and he's dating Jemima Kirk from Girls. Yeah. So there's a bunch of pop culture references there. And his music is very kind of poppy and fun, but very tongue in cheek. But he uses certain words that any white guy in 2019 simply cannot use. But because he's writing in a character as if he is some kind of like novelist, he seems to be able to get away with it in a, in yeah. a crazy way where it's just like he'll, he'll, he'll say the F word occasionally. Whoa. Yeah. He'll say. Uh, That's actually my favorite song. Not because of the use of the word, <laughs> yeah. but it just happens to be my favorite song. So I'll be in my car blasting it. And when that part happens, it's kind of like you do the thing when the N word happens. In a hip hop song. In a yeah. hip hop song. Yeah. yeah. But then he's, he's been able to sort of like thoughtfully explain himself. And like he has a song called Born Again. And the hook is like, she's born again. She's doing porn again. She's like, far from born again. She, she's far from born again. She's doing porn again. Yeah. Erica knows the lyrics. Yeah. Erica, yeah. you were having a good time. Oh, but I the, love him. Yeah. But then he's basically just like talking about his appreciation for sex workers. Well, basically. that's the thing. He's, he's kind a, of, he's a huge ally. Like he's uh-huh. aligned himself as an ally to many different like minority <laughs> groups. And I think that's why maybe he gets away with it. Uh, anyway, it just, uh, he, I just can't think of anybody else really like him. Uh, who who's able to sort of toe that line? I enjoyed him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you think of the show, Erica? I thought it was great. Yeah. Like, are you, have you been a lo- lifelong fan? What's your like? What no, you Greg do? introduced me to him. Really? Yeah, Greg's yeah. spread that gospel back in like the summer. Oh, and interesting. And yeah, I really really liked it. And then he uh, he has yeah. a funny lyric about uh, <laughs> Miami memories. One of the songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lyric is, um, I was eating your ass like an oyster, and you were coming like a tsunami. <laughs> oh my goodness! It's like da Miami memory. Like it's yeah, fucking hilarious. Vulgar. It's like I didn't pick up on those lyrics from the back <laughs> of the Phoenix. My word, I'm a father. Well, he's very close to being like Tenacious D, but he's not. Yeah, he's, I know. he's just he's just got like a foot in the cool indie uh-huh. world. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He also has a saxophone player who is like his sidekick. Roy Malloy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> yeah. He came out and did photos. Yeah, Eric got, got a Greg photo. and I got a photo with him. Yeah, yeah and, and, his, and the shtick is that he's not like, I don't think a total like ripping saxophone player. He plays really basic sax lines <laughs> like in all the songs. Like what I did in grade seven yeah, on kinda. my tenor sax? He's not, he's not up there showing off. He's yeah. just there to like lay down like a very simple lick and get on with it. <laughs> it's great. Uh, yeah, it was uh, my, bro- my brother brought a hat. He was supposed to buy Shane a shirt, but then that didn't work out. Yeah. There's some crossed wires there, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said he would, and then he didn't. What up? Mm. It's easy to cross those wires. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know Greg didn't want to spend that extra $20. I was going to reimburse I know, him. No, I know, but he probably wasn't sure he'd get paid back or something. <laughs> I thought it was more him holding onto the shirt all night. was going to be like, I, I, I don't want to you need to next time just e-transfer him the money ahead of time so there's no excuses. Okay. Yeah. But I think Shane's right. You don't want to walk around with the shirt because you know you go out after. Merch store was open all night. I bought a record at the end of the show. Mm. That's, that's, the way to play that's the way to do it. That's like what our friend in Peterborough should have done. 
Yes. Yeah. He should have waited, assessed the lip syncing, yeah. and then decided whether he wanted to buy some Art Gell's merch. Yeah. Uh, Shane, what you did this weekend? Well, I started a very cool revolutionary thing. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Not to downplay it. <laughs> very cool revolutionary thing. No, but uh, my wife and I started No Cell Phone Sundays. Oh, and I was like, is this going to be cool or is this going to really grate on me? How am I going to hand? Am I going to be irritated all day, like itching to get to the phone? How did it go? So liberating. It oh, was wow. amazing. Uh, I suggest everyone tries it and you get so much done. You, I didn't really realize how much little two minute pockets here and there mm-hmm. to eat up your entire day. And sometimes mm-hmm. a two minute pocket can turn into a 10 minute pocket. But regardless, I got we both got so much stuff done around the house. It was amazing. But if you leave the house, do you use the phone? Like, like I, like, I, I had a kind of like a, a side rule. Like, let's always bring our phones when we go grocery shopping. But we had forgotten our phones when we did that, mm. and we had to go to certain stores that we had to get to by memory, and because we were always relying on our GPS. Yeah, yeah. But it worked, and it was so fun. And we actually remembered our grocery list, and we're mm. notorious for not remembering the list but because we knew it was something we absolutely because you write down the list on a piece of paper yes Mm, oh cool it was very good you know what i had this idea the other day which is kind of in line with what you did is that i just think um there's just too many opinions on the internet i think everybody uh is is too addicted to posting on twitter and facebook just like whatever's on their mind, and I think it, I think to a certain point it's it's very good because I think expressing your opinions and your political beliefs can be a very positive thing. But I think we've crossed the line where it's just like I just want everybody to shut the fuck up one day a week and just and basically do like a Sunday. Like let's do a day of rest where everybody just shuts the fuck up. If you have an opinion, you can tell your friend. I don't know. You can phone up your city councilor, but don't put it. Don't pollute the internet. Because because I do think it is pollution, and it would just be so interesting to see how people would feel about themselves and their neighbors and their communities if they didn't do the the reactive thing, which is just to like tweet out all of your feelings. And this is not to say don't put out your feelings. I think putting out your feelings on the, the world is great, but just take a day off. Like I think everybody just like needs a day of rest from it because when it becomes that much part of your routine, I actually think it crosses the threshold into being maybe a negative thing for your personal well-being. And, and by the way, listeners, if you're out there, if there's a reason why this is a foolish idea or why this is uh, could be destructive to somebody's well-being or putting somebody at risk, I'd love to hear it. But I was trying to rack my mind of like which group, which interest group – would not like this idea if everybody just agreed. Like, what? What are those? Uh, an armistice? Or, you know, like one of those uh, agreements where everybody just like stops fighting for a day. Yeah, yeah armistice. Yeah, everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an armistice, like uh, a armistice? ceasefire. Yeah. Okay. Is that? Is it? I'd have to look it up. I, yeah. I would have been confident about it before I came onto a pod and tried to use it. No, what's the? the uh, I think it's a Phoenix song. They use that term. I think it's why not. But anyway, wouldn't that? I think that'd be cool. Fourteen oh one. 1901 is the 1901. The song. Shit. And, and the song is called Armistice. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a great song. Uh, Mania, also a good Phoenix song. They have a lot of good songs. But anyway, listeners, tell me if you'd get on board. If we started a hashtag, no post Sundays, where, or no post Mondays, where everybody just like doesn't Sundays, post I think, is the best day. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'd even love to see it during the week. But it's just like if you have an, an opinion, it's like you can, uh, you can tell it to somebody. Mm-hmm. 
you, but you just can't put it on the internet. And, tell and tell and me who stress, doesn't who who doesn't agree with that. All the stress of the phone is gone too. It creates such an underlying weird tension and stress throughout the day that I didn't even realize. Because you're always saying, "Oh, should we be documenting this? Should we be?" Or, or we be am I missing back? something? Am yeah. I looking at something else? It, it's like constantly messing with your little receptors to like, "Oh, something's there. Oh, nothing's there." You're always checking and. However how, big how, or small it is, you, it's fucking with your emotions. Do you do it dusk to dawn? What's your what's the timing? Uh, we looked at the phone when Lou went to bed. Mm. Right. So, so it's like you wake up, like you look at it for, in the morning and then put it away? Or is it like the minute you wake up, you're not looking at it? We just, I put it in like a, a, a box. But you take, a, like, you know when you wake up, do you take a quick look at this sort of, or it's just like, I didn't. Alex did because she had forgotten. And yep. then I was like, what are you doing? And then <laughs> uh, I put it in the box. Yeah. Mm. What's in the box? But try it, guys. Honestly, it was so cool. By the end of the day, you felt like you'd accomplished something amazing. You didn't have and we actually did around the house. No, like anxiety or like if someone's trying to get a hold of me. Or the opposite. An so much less anxiety. Oh. And then when I did look at the phone, it was so much more fun. Mm, yeah, you had a lot to catch up on. You, yeah. It's like eating yeah. a pizza on a Friday night after you worked out all week. Yeah. You're rewarded mm. for abstaining. Yeah. Yeah, because definitely once you kind of check your Instagram for like the fourth time in the hour, you're like, this feels so empty, you know? Or like when you have your third coffee, it's like yeah. this isn't doing anything anymore. Yeah. Or your yeah. fourth. I totally agree. Yeah. All right, good. Let's let's start that movement. We'll start it. Yeah. No phone Sundays. Yeah. No cell Sundays. It's no cell Sundays. Uh, flows copy. a little better. It's a revolution. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for did the mind. The, did you get the idea anywhere or like what was your impetus just because you were feeling? Uh, yeah. Some, I was listening to... Joe Rogan with mm. Ben Shapiro, and mm. he suggested it. Mm. There you have it. Yeah. <laughs> um, should we move on to topics? Uh, yes. Before we get to those topics, I want to remind all of our listeners to go check out our other podcast, The Pedestal, where we uh, talk about all sorts of movies that are available on Stars. Uh, we have a new episode available right now. Uh, Jerry Maguire. Featuring our good friend, Matt Unsworth. Heist. Heist. Uh, was Greg Veerman insulted though that he wasn't on the Jeremy? It's episode? so funny you say that because we posted like the episode. Uh, John Popolis, our, our co-host on that show, he posted it, and I was looking and I go, "Oh yeah, I, we did that one with Unzi," and then I went, "Shit, this is like one of my brother's favorite movies," and I didn't even think to ask Greg to do it. And then I thought maybe he is insulted he didn't get asked. Mm. But here's the thing. It doesn't get produced that way. The way we do it is when someone agrees to come on, whether it's Unsworth or uh, we've actually just to tease some stuff out. We had Fiji girl, uh, Kelleth Cuthbert, come mm -hmm. on. Uh, we had uh, Cynthia Loist come on. Another actress, Jordan Claire Robbins. Uh, and so anyway, what we do is when we have these people on, uh, we give them a list of movies uh, that, that are available on stars that we could do. And then we let them choose the film. Mm. Actually, I just forgot. There's another celebrity that has appeared on the pedestal in an episode soon to be coming out. And he's sitting to my left, mm. Max Kerman. You did, uh, what'd you do with us? What did I do again? Big Lebowski. Yeah, that's right. You did Big Lebowski with us. So what we do is we give a huge list so Max could choose from like mm -hmm. a bunch of movies. So it wasn't that we were doing Jerry Maguire and then invited Unsworth instead of Greg Veerman. It was that Matt Unsworth chose Jerry Maguire. Mm -hmm. And one of the social hosts we, we also had. I did say Cynthia Loist. Oh. She was great. We did Breakfast Club. So the point is, a bunch of those are coming out over the coming weeks. We also have 20 episodes just sitting there uh, in the can if you want to go back and listen to all sorts of movies that we've done in the past. Uh, check it out because we like doing The Pedestal. And I do think the new episodes are way better. <laughs> just with the guests, it adds a totally different... I agree. Yeah. And I we, we've just gotten better at doing it. Totally. This episode of the Mike Much podcast is supported by Jameson, where good things come in threes. Let me take a moment to talk about the remarkably smooth and unmistakable taste of Jameson. 
Sometimes, after recording an episode of Mike on Much, I like to go home and unwind with a glass of Jameson. Hell, sometimes in the middle of recording a podcast, me, Shane, and Max will open a bottle of Jamo and enjoy a glass or two, because conversations are always a little better with Jameson, ginger, and lime, or a whiskey on the rocks. Over 200 years of courage, craft, and a collective appreciation for taste in one drink. Jameson, please drink responsibly. Um, so the topics, mm-hmm. uh, Shane mentioned that he does not look at his phone uh, on Sundays until after Lou goes to bed. Uh, it's funny because I actually, uh, took an hour and a half on Sunday to watch Harry Styles host Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. And sometimes when I'll see a good sketch <laughs> or something like that, uh, I'll just, I'll message Shane and be like, Oh, did you see this? And I just want to know his mm-hmm. thoughts. I'm like, I think this worked, whatever. And we'll sort of have a quick talk about it. And I didn't know if you'd watch the Harry Styles, but I did notice now that you say it, that it took you like four hours to respond to me. And I was, now I know why. I didn't get a text back until late that uh, Sunday evening. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, Harry Styles hosted SNL uh, this weekend. And Shane and I both said that like we probably got like four episodes like on our PVRs that we have not watched. And so it's like I just haven't been that up to date on SNL. And I love SNL. It's like a huge thing I used to love watching. But a mix of the kid and just your time. But I went out of my way to watch Harry Styles host. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering like why did I do that? Was it like sort of the internet was talking about him? Was it that I'm just fascinated to see sort of so magnetic? I think he's just yeah as as a host he's probably more interesting to me than like an actor doing it. You know anytime they do those. Who else have have been like good dual hosts? Uh, Chance just did it. Chance did it. Uh, Justin Miley. Timberlake's probably one of the best yeah. at it historically. Miley, yeah, you're right. Miley, Brittany did it back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, Harry Styles has been uh, as the host. Did you guys watch it first of all? Did everyone see it? I watched uh, some, not the whole thing, but I've watched the opening and some of the musical performances. Erica, you didn't watch it. I didn't. I'm sorry. That's okay. Do you do you watch? But SNL? You can still talk about Harry Styles. Yeah, yeah. I watch SNL not religiously, but like I'll, my roommates are obsessed, so like I'll catch an episode now and then. We always have taped. All right, Shaney, did you see this Harry Styles SNL? I watched his two musical performances. Right. So, did we like him on SNL? I guess, I guess you're Max doing our. I guess <laughs> I guess Mike is doing the recap. <laughs> Max put it in the group that we're going to talk about Harry Styles on SNL. I thought it was a side topic of the why is he so magnetic? Well, you know, but it's like good. I thought it was like what made him so good on the show. Yeah, I saw his monologue. I think it was good. Just the topic of Harry Styles. Though, sure, very interesting. What do you maybe find you, you give us a, a recap of what you thought as a fan of comedy, as a fan of SNL? How did he? How do you think as he a fan of One D? Yeah, I uh, I thought he was awesome. Actually, I thought like he was so good. Uh, he played like a wide variety of characters. He was really sort of like funny. His American committed. accent was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like he was just. He's kind of really like. Yeah, he's really good at that kind of entertainment. I thought his monologue was actually awesome. Mm-hmm. It was well written. Uh, he did you see the monologue? Max? Monologue was I thought was very good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, for for our listeners, uh, he was basically sitting at a piano, pretending to play the piano, and just talking about like who he is and what he's been up to. And he's like talking about how much he loves his his former brothers in One Direction. And, he, and he's like, there's Liam and there's. Nile, and then there's whoever the third guy is. Louis. He, he names four of them. And, and, then, and then he goes, and uh, who's the last one? And you're expecting him to say Zane, who's the sort of more petulant one in One Direction. And he goes, Ringo. Oh, yes, Ringo's his name. Mm-hmm. He makes a good... It was funny. Yeah. yeah. It was also very hot. Like, he is so hot. <laughs> is he hotter than Zane? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, I didn't he has know the that. mystery factor. and like, I think Zane oh. has the mystery factor. Zane is definitely more mysterious. For than sure. Harry Styles? Harry Styles is definitely hotter. Harry, Harry Styles is opposite. very out there. You know, like Zane, what do you know about Zane, really? But you know everything about Harry. Zane's moody. And I think sexier. Uh uh-uh, uh, Harry's sexier. No, I think Harry is more commercial. 
and you like that because you're scared of the bad boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, Harry, Harry, I can't, I can't would, argue that. You would love to bring Harry home to your parents. Mm-hmm. I feel like Zane, to Shane's point, is a little bit more like, I don't know what I'm getting. Is he going to be weird at dinner? Is he not going to say anything? Is he going to say two words? Whereas you know Harry would come in and he would be very charming. And I feel like Harry has like a, Harry probably wants to be liked. And I don't know if Zane gives a shit. Mm-hmm. No, Zane does At least the way their public, public facing sort of personalities are. Well, Harry is just so goddamn effortless. Like he's yeah. a guy who's just like blessed with like kind of perfect everything when it comes including to his... name like is that a real name yeah. everyone's laughing at Roy Malloy but we just say Harry Styles <laughs> like it's not Harry Styles is such a cool name he's that's got... his real name definitively yeah, yeah. I'm pretty wow. sure yeah he's got such a beautiful face <laughs> beautiful body he's a great smile he's so effortless in like social situations um, but it's one of those things that you're like you know some people like really have to work at their craft I wonder how hard Harry has had to work at anything. Well, Shane and I were actually discussing this a bit. Like, what are his defining songs? Like, he kind of like you go, oh, is he like a new age like, uh, like he's kind of like this mix of like Mick Jagger and David Bowie, and he's kind of like he's dressing in this sort of um, 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 vintage style. You know, mm-hmm. it's he's friends with Stevie Nicks, and he's kind of taken up this like rock lane, this classic rock lane. But then I'm like, but like, what are the tunes? Like, has he written anything profound? Sign of the Times. Okay. No, that's fine. Like, Whatever. It's fine, but it's <laughs> but like... that's what people would argue is his, like... Well, they're going to lose that argument, but, like, the thing is, like, <laughs> I'm just saying, it's like, when you think of all those other artists, you can think of these great songs, you go, God, that really resonates. It's either, like, a, a banging, like, rocker, or, like, lyrically it says mm-hmm. something. It's like... It's like he he seems to have the sort of weight and cred of like a, a rocker or somebody that's like, you know, uh, really sort of trading on this vintage thing. But then when you think about the music, mm-hmm. it's like, where is it? It's like this kind of middle of the road, like uh, like Fleetwood Mac sort of style. Uh, like, you're totally right. Well, culturally, he, he's done very well. Where, yes. where he's like, he, he flies the pride flag and, be, and people are like, is he gay? Is he? I don't think he's gay at all, but he's, he's very much an ally in that community. Uh, and that's a big part of his live show. But when it comes to his songs, and le- if you go through the solo career of all the One Direction guys, he he's not even he's probably the third best when it comes to the actual music, in my opinion. Like Nile has the best song, "Slow Hands." I think that's the best song. And then a close second is "Pillow Talk," which is Zayn's song, which are like, which are both amazing songs. And I don't think anything on I like the Harry record. Yeah, it's fine. They're it's, fine. That's what I'm but saying. But they're not, it's nothing. A fine nothing. If if we're going like. Cultural icon, it's yeah. like, okay. Do we believe Harry's writing any of his own songs at this point? Well, this is the narrative. This is like he set up shop uh, like in uh, Malibu. He, he like, the, like the his guitarist is a guy who he befriended at his local pizza place. And he was like, you're going to be in my band. And he's just very much like a man of the people. And he's like, you know, we all just like went skinny dipping after the studio. We were just all mushrooms and just like frolicking around Shangri-La, which is like this beautiful, iconic space in Malibu that uh, Rick Rubin, I think, works out of and the band recorded out of. And so it's like he's really made up this narrative of like him as like a proper musician. But the One Direction songs, uh, I don't think he probably had too much to do with other than having a nice voice. Yeah, yeah, he does have a very nice voice. Um, but you know what's actually interesting is that Ash, uh, Ash is a big fan, manager Ash is a big fan, and she said she was talking to our friend Sarah Bobus, one of her best friends, and Bobus had no clue who Harry Styles was until Saturday night and just like happened to catch him on SNL and was just, she was like, have you ever heard of Harry Styles? <laughs> this guy's amazing. Like, I love <laughs> this guy. Well, no, I mean, Bobus, well, if you want to take her for a word, she said she had no clue, but 
I was, it was interesting because we have all this history with uh, Harry Styles, but it was interesting to hear somebody who had no clue who he was or any 1D context just go, I love this guy. Who the fuck is this guy? I love him, which I thought was an interesting way to measure like you know how good he is. He's very charismatic and charming on this SNL episode. I, I you know, the, the the skits were whatever for the most part. There was one very funny uh, Sarah Lee skit, uh, but again, uh, have you seen him? Yeah, I saw that one. That one made me laugh. The first, like the opening, is so funny, and then the the, the gag drags out too long. But yeah, yeah. it's like, uh, I just like everything they threw him in, whether the sketch was strong or not. Uh, he just excelled in everything he did. And he just, he seems like, I mean, maybe this is part of, uh, uh, you know, whatever charisma is, is is whether it's true or not. He actually just seems like a good guy to be around. Yeah, he doesn't feel hand. like he's intimidating. He seems like he would put you at ease. He seems like he's not going to get too bent out of shape about stuff, which is, I think, rare to, to be able to sort of put that off when you're a star of his uh, magnitude. You know what's interesting? Um, when you think about these, like, global iconic stars... Um, what I think Harry is missing is something that we love and revere about like Michael Jackson or Paul McCartney in that like these guys were virtuoso. Not only were they like dazzling and charismatic and good to look at, but like they had the musical geniuses. They're geniuses. Musical geniuses. And then and so you kind of go like who is that now? Who would be the closest uh, person? I guess Bruno Mars maybe. Bruno Mars would be the, probably the closest equivalent to somebody who is like such a dazzling, charismatic, like interesting looking person, but also is an incredible guitarist, incredible drummer, incredible songwriter. Uh, anyone else you can think of? No, it's a good question though. Like, does 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 Harry lean more sort of like a like like actor charisma or like personality charisma, but not necessarily like a musical sort of like the way we celebrate other musicians for their musical genius. That being said, like someone would argue like Elvis is a guy that just writes sings other people's songs, and he's. I'd say Elvis was a lot more like Harry Styles. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah for sure. So maybe it's more that sort of model. So mm-hmm. so, but you don't like so like that's what I'm saying. Like, whereas a Freddie Mercury writes all of these amazing songs. He's a virtuoso singer and, and piano player and all yeah. of this stuff. It's like where like does does Harry have that on the music side? Is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, he definitely doesn't. But but I I'd probably equate him more to someone like a Leo, like more of some of those actors who right. you're not even quite sure exactly. Leo's a great actor, but like. He is sort of his natural on-screen charisma and the way you're drawn to him is something that I think he's kind of just born with. Not to say that he doesn't work hard on his craft, but just like some people are just born with like the right sounding voice and the right sounding like and the right looking face and 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 can interact with people in a particular way, which I don't think they necessarily had to work hard to attain. Where someone like Bruno Mars obviously has natural talent, but he's like definitely spent some time at the piano and at the guitar and the drums and in the dance studio trying to like perfect all that shit. Were you born that way, Max? Uh, what do you mean? Like, you know, on third base. Uh, no, Musically speaking, sure, yeah, but the thing is, I don't consider myself a particularly good musician. But I'd say that's what I mean. But you have the maybe the right voice that whether it's I don't a even great know if voice I do there. But but I know what you're saying. But sometimes I I feel like I've been a little lazy. Where I'm like, I wonder if I had really like asserted myself in a way that like an athlete does. If I could be like that much more impressive, or or my toolkit would be bigger and deeper. If I could like go sit at a piano and really rip, I can get around a piano fine. I can get around a guitar fine. But sometimes I wish I'm like, uh, like I sometimes I wonder if my like sort of just natural ability or charisma or like w- the way I can make people feel, which just comes very naturally to me, which I didn't have to work on at all. If that's really gotten me here and I, I wonder if I if I should be working a little bit harder. 
as far as like songwriting craft, you always hear stories about someone like uh, like Rivers Cuomo. You yeah. know, he, he'll he has all these books and books and books breaking down the greatest song in history and what chords work together best and what melodies sort of work with what. And he's sort of like a scientist when it comes to yeah. songwriting. We could argue the results, yeah. but um, do you ever think like, oh, why should I be in the lab? eight hours a day when it comes to songwriting craft or do you feel like you're already putting in that kind of time? Actually, you know what? Maybe I don't give myself maybe enough credit when it comes to that stuff because I do think about songwriting a lot and I do and I'm constantly trying to learn and like have conversations with like the best people as to how to get better. So maybe that's the one thing I have really focused a lot of time on which has helped our Kels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Next subject. Okay. Next subject People, this actually, a lot of people on Twitter were hoping that we would talk about this, but Taylor Swift uh, and her uh, feud with Scott Bruschetta and Scooter Braun is back in the news. Former colleague of mine, I should say. Scooter Braun. Full uh, disclosure. Scott no, Bruschetta. Uh, Scott Bruschetta. Yeah, yep. Uh, not Taylor Swift? I wish. Yeah. She is back in the news because she has a documentary coming out and she's also performing on, what is it, the American Music Awards or something mm-hmm. like that? Yep. And she wanted to do a medley of her songs on the live performance and she wanted to use her old tracks in the documentary. Uh, and because, as we mentioned before, Big Machine Music, and that's what the name label is, that is owned by uh, Scott Scooter Braun now and Scott Bruschetta, it, it, it wasn't allowing her uh, to actually perform her old catalog. And a lot of people saw this as them, basically, uh, it's kind of like a, you wanted to sort of like... Like mess with us and re-record your new catalog in 2020 well we're not gonna let you play the old songs while we still sort of own the masters that's what it looked like taylor decided to go public with this sort of um um refusal to let her play her own songs she said i don't know what to do she released a big thing on social media uh describing how she feels like she's trapped and she basically cannot play uh these songs that she's written in it's another example of uh scott bruschetta and scooter braun basically trying to control her and use her uh weaponize her music and their ownership of it that's the story yeah what do we think of that Oh, I should add that Big Machine has now allowed her to. They've said all our artists are allowed to perform their songs. We don't block this the, the back catalog stuff. So they're kind of saying that maybe she, that they were never actually going to block the music. I don't know. Yeah, and the other side piece of this is that Taylor Swift fans have like taken up billboards with like I stand with Taylor like outside of Scott Bruschetta's office in Nashville. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of funny. Well, yeah, two fans <laughs> started to GoFundMe to raise like a thousand dollars to put these two billboards up. Uh, that yeah, say I stay with Taylor, and then the other one. I'm not sure what the other one says, but they are up now, and fans are excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so like it's kind of interesting in some ways. I mean, it, it's kind of interesting to see Taylor sort of take control. Like, I I wonder sometimes. Do you think Scott and uh, Scooter are like? Yeah, we fucked with the wrong person. Like, mm. she's not going to drop this. Do you think that this is giving her strength and power because she has a cause? It gives something for her fans to mobilize behind? And just like you could argue, you know, the 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 ethics of it. Like, maybe she should have a right to all of this stuff, that, you know, and the commoditization of music and all that stuff. What do you guys think? Do you think, think they couldn't have predicted this happening? Yeah, it's a good like question. She's got some fans. Jeez. Like, <laughs> like. It's more about her, right? Like, it's like, was she going to actually weaponize her fans into an army against those guys? That's what I mean. I, I would think you could predict this happening. I guess maybe they thought maybe she'd be willing to work with them because there's a bunch of money to be made for everybody. I don't know. But it's a good point. You'd think that's like, yeah, she's not going to like this. She's known for turning anything that happens in her life into material in some way yeah. or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's and it's like it's a slight, you know. She was in this feud with Scooter Braun. She did not like him. Obviously, she's like anybody but him buying the catalog. Yeah, it was the one thing that makes me feel a little strange is that like she is so successful and she's had every accolade 
in the world you could possibly like you know at the end of the decade awards she's like the greatest performer of the female performer of the decade like she's won every single possible thing and it always feels a little funny and I get it this is like means the world to her like her work like like anybody else it's like if you're talking about your own thing that you made the principle of the it. principle of it I totally I totally understand that but it just always feels a little funny when when uh, anybody in a position like hers like has this like sort of out public outcry of like I am such a victim and using their platform to like share those stories where it's just like ah it's like when it comes to the in- I guess what it comes down to this when it comes down to the injustices in the world that are happening right now like you mobilizing your fans for this seems a little petty not to say that. To, that Scooter and Scott aren't being jerks or aren't being bullies because they very well could be. It sounds like they, they were being bullies and and it wasn't cool what they're doing. I'm not, I'm not condoning any of that behavior, but it just feels like a little bit like, really? Like, you're going to like cry me a river about you not being able to like get a Lifetime Achievement Award from the American Music Award. So now your fans are going to be paying for billboards and spending their time like all their free time publicly like or like attacking Scooter and Scott and on social media and, and sending death threats. I'm like, can you like use your platform for something a little bit more worthwhile? That, that's yeah, like – You can do multiple things. One cause doesn't eliminate another, which is my whole commuting issue. What? Well, Crothers doesn't want me to complain about <laughs> my commute. And no. that doesn't mean I can't – I will know, say though there is a finite things. amount of space you can talk to your fans. So – if you if you if you're having some kind of call to action, you can only do a call to action a certain amount of times without it losing its effect. So the fact that she and she's done call to actions for political things too. She's like, so pay hey, vote for this Democratic governor or vote or stand behind LGBTQ issues, which I think was a very good use of her platform. It just feels like a little, I don't know. Do you think the two fans that started the GoFundMe to raise money for these billboards for Taylor Swift, uh, they will have something like special like done for them by Taylor? Mm-hmm. Like, think they'll get like some like VIP tour experience, or they'll get to go to the awards? Mm-hmm. That could be negative incentivizing. Like that could backfire because then it could look like she's just paying people off to do little things like crimes. Maybe it could escalate too. <laughs> <laughs> like them. imagine that. Like a Kill mock top cocktail goes flying through Scooter Braun's house or something. She's like, "Here's fifty bucks." <laughs> VIP meet and greet. <laughs> would you guys? Uh, would you guys ever donate to a celebrity? Yeah, that was the one thing that got me thinking. I was like, "Is there any situation where I'd like put my money behind a celeb?" Corey Feldman once had a um, Kara Feldman's Boy Meets World. No. no. Corey is the name of the, the character yeah. in Boy Meets World played by Ben Savage. Never mind. Who's Corey Feldman? His brother's Fred Savage from Wonder Years. But um, Corey Feldman Corey, is an actor from the 80s. He's uh, in right, Goonies. he was in Stand By Me and uh, Goonies. Sure. But he was touring with like this very weird electro pop act and he that he had wrote a bunch of songs. And he did a really funny post for uh, GoFundMe. And I was drunk and it was like 3 in the morning. I'm like, I'm donating $10 to this. And then I did. And it didn't come to fruition, but I never got the 10 bucks back. And I was like, oh, that's how it works. Mm. I didn't know that. I thought if they don't do what you say, you get your money back. Oh, it's, huh, I thought so. Actually, The Gist just interviewed the guy who started GoFundMe, uh, Mike Pesca, The Gist. It was a really good episode. It was like two days ago. But that aside, um, yeah, I feel like I have a hard time donating to anybody who's got lots of money. Like, even if some, even like you hear like Jonah Hill or something, like I'm directing a movie, I did it for Peanuts, but I got, I just asked everybody for favors. I asked like some of my favorite musician to give me a song for free, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. But if Jonah Hill started asking me for money for anybody or any of his fans, like I'm trying to get this movie made, but we need ten million dollars, I would never do that. 
I, I feel like anybody who's got lots of money who's working on something that isn't like essential, the money should probably be going somewhere that is essential. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to that's just me, but yeah, like it's like, but if if Jonah Hill's fans really want to see a movie directed by Jonah Hill, then I guess you pay to get it, you know. Yeah, but the whole thing about it not happening, you're not getting your money back, does seem a little whack. It's like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna send you a hundred bucks to get a film made. I, I'm doing that so I can see this film, uh, you know, the nature of fandom, whatever. Uh, but then if the film doesn't get made. It's like I'd kind of like the hundred bucks. Back. Yeah, I thought that was part of the deal, and maybe it is, and they just fucked it up. But I, I certainly didn't get my ten bucks back. <laughs> I, I, I actually had a similar kind of experience, uh, drunkenly donating to Wikipedia, because it was like three in the morning. I was like in the hotel room somewhere, like doing a drunken Wikipedia search on yeah. something. Oh, they'll have the ad. And that then comes they, up. And then they have the ad, but too, I find yeah. the ads to be very compelling. They so they'll be like, "Hey, Max." Uh, just so you know, this service that you use, and I started to drunkenly read. I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> it's like if, how many if, hours if have 0. I spent 0. on Wikipedia? Three percent of our readers gives just five dollars. We can like sustain Wikipedia. For and then I was like, year. I'm gonna give thirty five dollars. I got everybody in the band covered. How often do we pull up? Wikipedia? Did you really donate thirty five bucks? Yeah, now they hit me up every year. <laughs> yeah, now you're on the list. Yeah, now I'm on the list. You can afford thirty five a year for yeah. the service Wiki provides. That's true. Erica, That's did you donate to Wikipedia? No, I wouldn't donate to Wikipedia. But any drunken purchases? That's <laughs> funny. Oh, I have. Yeah, I've gone to the mall drunk before. That's mm. not. A, what time was it? <laughs> Two day, in the afternoon. Daytime. <laughs> What'd you buy there? Shoes. Oh, nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. But like, fourteen-year-old me would definitely donate money to like Justin Bieber. Like, I would do uh, stupid things for like the pop stars I used to like mm. adore. But like, if the Killers were like, oh, we need like ten dollars, and we'll from each person each like Instagram follower and then we'll make a new album. I would probably do that. The disingenuine part though comes when it's like, do they need $10? Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or should they put up the capital because they're going to get great returns if it works yeah. out? I mean, whatever. Ultimately this gets back to the scooter Braun, uh, sort of a uh, scup or shed a thing about investing in young artists mm-hmm. and then it goes well. Then it's like, who should own the music? Is yeah. it the creator of the art or the person that funded it? Mm-hmm. Would you yeah. donate your money to Mike? Uh, if I, anything, uh, yeah, no, I, I, do, I donate to like, you know, the, the sort of typical causes like, you know, cancer charities and things of that nature. But I don't. Uh, that, well, that's making us look really bad. The question is like musicians oh. <laughs> and stuff. Oh, no, I would not give my money to a musician to like. I would like if like I'm trying to think of like of a certain like if a filmmaker was like, hey, like I really like say like Scorsese couldn't afford to make a film again. Like what I don't. Your favorite comedian was like, I need money. I'm a little down and out. And he, your favorite comedian hasn't done anything good in like 15 years, but brought you a lot of joy in your childhood. Would you be like, I'll give this guy a hundred bucks? Yeah, that's a charity. Like Bruce McCullough. Sure, sure. That's a good question. That's a good one. Okay, so I love the kids in the hall. Bruce McCullough's brought me so many years of joy. If he, if he honestly, like, yeah, had a pose, he's like, hey, I'm down and out, and my family's not doing so well, and yeah, I, I, I you know what, I would, I'd throw some money along, like in a humanitarian way. Yeah, I think that that's a good one because I, there's definitely a lot of entertainment that has kept me company over the years which I would feel very obliged to be giving money to. If, if, if like my favorite podcasters were like, I need some money, I'd be like, yeah, I'll fucking help you out. You've literally been like my my cuddle buddy for like, you know, years. And there are ways, like, and, and truthfully, it's like to keep stuff going sometimes, it does take money, you know? Otherwise, people got to do other things for money. So it's like if, if you want to keep, you see this in the content game all the time. It's like, hey, we want to keep creating content, but it mm-hmm. does cost money. So anything you can send and then we get to a goal and et cetera, et cetera. This et cetera. is all a roundabout way of saying like how much is taking donations. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, okay, last subject. Let's do it. Yeah, let's go to Shane's surprise. Okay, so do you know the rapper T.I.? Yeah. Oh, oh, I know where this know is where going. Wow, man, that's a response. Mike, do you know the rapper T.I.? <laughs> I'm familiar. Yeah. 
Do you know what a hymen is? I do. I yeah, I've you know the story. story. Yeah. Okay, so that's why they, I think that's why you got the reaction. I, I don't think they're just huge TI non fans. <laughs> I know, but you didn't react, so I was wondering if you knew. Oh you yeah, just I sat know the story. While they were on. Yeah, I I, well, I didn't I didn't know if there was a different news story, so I didn't mm-hmm. know if we were actually going to talk about this. But go for it. So yeah, he, so every year he gets his daughter's hymen checked to see if she's still a still virgin. a virgin. Yeah. Uh, we both have daughters. Uh, mm-hmm. and we all have parents. So uh, to have how are you going to? react uh, when your daughter comes of age are you cool with her having sex are you sex positive in that way are you uh, overprotective dad and have you ever had the sex talk with your parents or <laughs> who are you with winnie yeah, my daughter <laughs> no no she's just like 10 months old. Yeah. yeah let me tell you about the birds and the bees yeah. uh, did my parents ever have a sex talk with me uh no i don't think so i don't think they ever had a sex talk with me i think i just had to figure it out from the uh, vhs tapes i found under the couch but if you were watching a movie with your parents when you were young yeah what would happen if a sex scene came up is that awkward or just it, it, it maybe it'd be uncomfortable in the room mm-hmm. i guess but we didn't really watch a lot of movies together that would have like a graphic sex scene i do remember once so i was with my uh my uncle dave and his wife jody and they had like a baby and we put on uh the devil's advocate uh, but there's like a scene where keanu reeves like has about to have sex with his like sister in order to whatever he's being like very like uh he's being tempted by the devil played by al pacino mm-hmm. but it's a very nude scene and she's like full frontal nudity and i remember i was kind of just like it was very uncomfortable because i and i think i was probably like 15 or something 16 i was just like oh my god this is really uncomfortable i don't want to be in this room right now but no i never had a sex talk did you no my parents would never broach this topic ever I didn't, not too much. My dad, I remember occasionally, like, would come up or, like, he'd come in my room, like, if there's anything you want to talk about, talk about whatever you want to talk about. And then I'd be like, I'm good. And then, yeah, it was fine, though. Yeah. But there was never a direct explicit But he just talk. gave you a look like, you know what I'm talking about, Max. Yeah, I think anything. so, from what I can recall. Like, did anyone have a... Con- and also, like, here in Canada, like, our sex education is actually pretty comprehensive. Like, anything I kind of needed to learn practically, I actually learned in school, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of, like, you have like, this, this shit that you'll see in movies, and you snicker, and you go, oh, man, man, But then in school, they actually explain how a woman gets pregnant, and what your penis can do, and all of those things, where you go, oh, this would be the consequence if I had sex. And also, in pop culture, like, I feel like... It's everywhere. Wear a con and blah, 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 blah. So I feel like in some ways society did a lot of the heavy lifting because clearly my parents didn't want to have the talk. Mm -hmm. But I felt educated by the time I was like 13 about what needed to happen in order to avoid getting Mm -hmm. someone pregnant or getting an STD and things of that nature and how things worked. Right. But, but it would have been cool yeah. to have like an older brother that really broke it down for me and was like... Well, know. especially nowadays with the internet, it's so much easier. Anything that's on our minds, we can simply yes. Google. And it's great for young people who are too embarrassed or scared to ask. But we didn't have the internet when we were young. No, so man. we did... If you weren't exactly great at retaining information maybe in class and you had a question leading up to maybe a date you were going on or something yeah. you had to rely on your your buddies and sometimes that was too embarrassing and i would never ask my parents but what did happen to me which i thought was kind of odd was i had a babysitter mm. who one day is like oh, all right guys we're uh we're watching this videotape and put in a videotape was the babysitter a guy or a girl a woman okay but there was a, a man there too and it her her son was there also because she would like babysit uh, okay. me with her her son was there it was my friend and we watched a, a sex tape, a sex, sorry, a sex education okay. tape that was a cartoon. And it showed men and women ha- having sex in it. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. And I couldn't believe it. I was stunned. How old were you? I feel like I was like eight or something. Wow, it's kind of young. Yeah. Is, yeah. And then, um, then we watched Uncle Buck afterwards. 
it was really weird. But I like always remember how odd it was. It was like a very like educational did it, thing. Did it, it wasn't education? weird. It wasn't pervy or anything. Mm. She so she was just trying to give you a little service there. Like a, a, yeah, I just a, think she was misinformed on maybe the correct age to be to be showing kids. <laughs> like you maybe should have been twelve to see that or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eight, I yeah. think my sister was there who was she is three years older than right. me, but it was like it was very uh, mm. shocking to me. Erica, yeah. did uh, your parents ever give you the sex talk? No, no. Just had to figure it out on your own. Yeah, and I went to a Catholic school, so I wonder if my sex education is different. Mm. Yeah, what than, does that look like in Catholic school? Um, well, like you get it in health class, so very. Like, that's all science-based. But then also in religion, they cover sex. Mm. And how does that class go? Don't do it? <laughs> um, no. I think they're not allowed to straight up say don't do it. But it's like, this is all the benefits of abstaining. Right. And this is how you never get an STI. And this is how you never have a baby before you don't want it. Huh. And, but uh, I, I was too smart for that. <laughs> what kind of dad are you going to be when Winnie's of age to do it? I think philosophically our approach is to be, um, yeah, I think that hopefully we're a very open household that sort of like has critical thinking and questions can be asked and that she can feel comfortable asking us anything. And I absolutely think that, you know, when she's 13, 14, getting that first boyfriend or whatever it is, at some point, Danica and I are going to have to sit her down and be like, hey, like, so here's the deal. You're going to encounter a lot of sort of situations, you know what I mean? It's going to probably start with kissing and hugging and all that, and it can escalate, and there's this thing, sex, and it's going to happen, and I hope you don't ever feel pressured like you have to do it, and basically, I'll talk more about the dynamics of, like, social pressures, because I think, and, and you know, and there, we are going to be like, that's how I think we'll approach it. I say that now, we'll see what happens in... 14 years you know but mm-hmm. but yeah I, I i certainly would never fucking get her privates checked to make sure she was like i think there's like a healthy level of like engagement and being like like if you are having sex i hope you're having it safely and that you're informed and that you you're in a healthy relationship etc 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 uh but to like be like you can't have sex until you're 18 it's like that's that's all problems that's gonna cause problems man you know what I mean? To say no, 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 and sort of like, and then check it. And then at what point does it become uncomfortable? Like at some point, it's not your business anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it's like uh, every situation is different. Fill it out. Is our kid more mature than other kids? Is she really immature? All of those things will have to sort of reveal themselves. Where you where you stand? Well, I, I'm sex positive, so I would want Lou to have sex with as many men as she wants. <laughs> <laughs> You're just ripping off Dak Shepard right now. How? Because that's exactly what Dak Shepard says about his little girl. Oh, well, then I agree with Dax. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> Call me Dax. Yeah. It, ends with, it ends with Shane lip syncing Dax. <laughs> but you can have the same opinion of somebody else. Oh, of course, of course, of course. I hadn't heard that before. That but, and that's fun. how Alex is, too. And like, I don't think she's... Yeah, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, ironic you calling me a copycat uh. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>